One of the things I really love about the privilege of being able to celebrate Mass here at St. Joe's is that you have such a multi-generational parish. I don't just mean demographically, every place, I guess, has multiple generations, but I mean in the parish on any given Sunday. And I always say to the seminarians, that's the sign of a healthy parish. If all you are is the hip parish where young adults go, that's fine, you'll get lots of weddings maybe, but there's something there that just doesn't have deep roots necessarily. Everyone's just moving through. If all you have is people at another stage in life, nothing wrong with that, but there aren't deep roots there. So having said that, it often is the case in parishes like these, and I think St. Joe's does it every now and then, maybe this year, maybe not, but on Mother's Day or Father's Day, they'll have a mom or dad, you know, just give a reflection of what that's been like for them. Well, if I had to pick something for this day, what I would, by this day, I mean ascension, I would have a parent get up and tell the story of what went into the baptism of their child, maybe their first child if they have lots of kids. What's the backstory that got you there to have the child baptized? Because I've found over my 20 years of priesthood that all of the sacraments have some degree of preparation behind them. Now, some we maybe don't even think about that much. We go to Mass every Sunday, so we come up for communion, and it's just sort of what we do, even though we have great appreciation for it. Weddings maybe are at the other end of the spectrum. So much goes into it, right? So much planning. Everything has to be just right. Lots of worrying over the details. Something like anointing. Definitely there's preparation for that, but it's a different kind of preparation. And so what's fascinated me over the years is baptism. Baptism is somewhere in between. It isn't something that just kind of casually happens, nor is it something that gets so much effort and preparation a lot of times. And if the saying for weddings is, get me to the church on time, I say the saying for baptisms is, I'll get to the church when I'm ready. And I don't mean that in a, in a bad way necessarily. But there's a thousand different reasons for why parents come to bring their child to be baptized. And they're always good reasons, but they vary. And let's be honest, in this day and age, not too many parents are worried about their unbaptized children going to limbo. Yes, it's an important part of entering into the faith. It's a real grace that matters. But there are still lots of different reasons for why parents would eventually show up. And I tell the seminarians, on more than a few occasions, some grandma is going to con clandestinely contact you, wanting to get their grandchild baptized. And you should never stand between a grandma and the grandchild that she wants to get baptized. But that's a wonderful opportunity, usually, to bring the rest of the family in, and you have some rich conversations, and they all show up together. But I say this is the day I would have that story be told. Because on the one hand, ascension, yes, it's about what happened to Jesus, and they all saw him going up to heaven, and that's where Jesus belongs, right? He's the Son of God. But as is always the case, we don't have the church for God's benefit. We don't all get together to sort of make God feel better, give him a pep talk. 
We have all of this for us. And so even something like the ascension, which on the one hand is focused on Jesus, yes, going back to the Father, it's for us that it happens. And the for us, I would like to suggest, is that it enters us into a time of preparation for what all these sacraments, Eucharist, anointing, weddings, baptisms, at the end of the day, what they're all about, and that's what we'll celebrate next Sunday, of course, the coming of the Holy Spirit. But I love the fact that the church, in its own liturgical way, and, and it's scripted, right? It's, it's not the pace of real life. Sometimes between birth and baptism in a family, it could be two weeks, it could be two years. And the church says, well, it's going to be one week, today's Ascension, next week's Pentecost. But at least there is that time. And I just invite us to think about what that time was like the first time around, when the disciples see Jesus leaving them before they know that Pentecost is coming. Yes, Jesus had said, I'll send the Spirit, good enough. But they still didn't know what that would look like. And I've got to believe that amongst all of them, there were at least some who were a little bit uncertain. Maybe the Spirit's going to come, maybe not. Maybe we'll recognize it, maybe we won't. Will it really be as good as having Jesus right here, the Jesus we know and love? We know him. We know what it means to have him in our midst and to draw from what he has to offer. What's this Spirit going to be all about? And just because we know the rest of the story, we shouldn't ignore the fact that this ascension gave birth to the rise of preparation. And like all preparations, you don't know exactly what the finished product is going to be. So what did they do in this in-between time? Now, at the end of the Gospel of Luke, he says they were filled with joy and they went back to Jerusalem. Okay. But in Acts of the Apostles, right, which is where Luke picks up, he fills out that in-between time before they knew what Pentecost would look like. And so what they do, and I, I wish the church gave us just a few more verses in that first reading, but that's okay. The Bible hasn't gone anywhere. You can check it out. It's a beautiful spring afternoon. What else would you do? I'm going to pull out your Bibles. So what they do after they see Jesus going up, and in Matthew it says they even doubted, they weren't quite sure what the future would be, is Luke tells us in Acts they go back home together and they pray. That's all he says, but they pray, and they pray as a community. So as we gather as a parish, it matters that we gather as a parish, that we gather multi-generationally. I'm sure that's what it was like for them. You had Mary, the mother of Jesus, you had the apostles, and you had lots of other disciples, well over a hundred, Luke tells us. And they would have been there from all different stages in life, and they prayed together. In the uncertainty of what the future would hold, and maybe for some of them, the doubt or the fear, hey, Jesus is gone. What are we going to be left with now? But they didn't just go it alone. And the second thing that they do is they choose a successor for Judas. Remember Judas? He kills himself tragically. He's gone. They didn't have to choose a successor for Judas, but that's what they do. With the uncertainty of the future, what do they do? They say, we're still apostles. 
There's a hole there, and we're going to fill it. And it doesn't matter that whoever we pick isn't someone Jesus pointed his finger at three years ago and said, you're going to be one of us. We're going to choose that person ourselves. And no, we don't have the Holy Spirit yet, whatever that means, but we're together, we're praying. In other words, what they're doing is they're taking an act in hope. They're taking an act in confidence. We didn't just stumble into this room together. We have a journey that we've shared. We hold each other in prayer. We are a community. And so we're going to take a step into the uncertain future with the certainty that we have brought here, with the relationships that we have, with the knowledge of each other that we bring, with the support that we've given to each other. And so I think it's just an invitation for each one of us, because yes, we know, we know the Holy Spirit came, we know the Holy Spirit has come to all of us, in the Eucharist, the vast majority of us here are baptized. Maybe some are right on the verge of baptism. How exciting is that for us as a parish community, that we have some about to be baptized in our midst? And this is part of their preparation. This is part of their Ascension Week. I can't think of anything more special to have in our midst. But beyond that, maybe there's something in your life where you don't quite have the confidence that all the Holy Spirit we've received is supposed to bring. Maybe you have your own version of, Jesus, it seems like you're receding fast. It seems like you're out of my gaze. It seems like you're away. I want you to be as close as you were to them. I want you to be right there on the beach with Peter. I want you to be right there with John and his mother at the foot of the cross. And I don't quite see where that presence is. That's your ascension moment. And so just an invitation to say, well, what do you do in the face of that maybe uncertainty or fear? Well, definitely pray, but not the prayer of one person alone, white-knuckling it, kneeling down in desperation but the prayer where you gather around you, your own community. And that means the folks who are here as well. There's a reason why they take a minute before Mass and say, introduce yourself to the people around you. And I know not everybody likes to do that, but tough. It's not simply doing it so that, you know, it's saying this is part of what it means to be constituted as the body of Christ. And if you learned a new name, whether you use it at the sign of peace or not, simply hold that person in prayer because maybe this is the beginning of their Ascension week. Not because the church says this is the seven days between Ascension and Pentecost, but because for them it's this time of uncertainty or longing. And maybe for them it's not been seven days, maybe it's been seven years. And maybe we need to receive that from someone else because that's where we are in our life. And then after the prayer, take the step in hope. Take the step in confidence. Take the step against maybe that little voice that says, no, don't do it, don't go there. It could crash and burn. You've done it before. What's the point? All those discouraging voices that can come up. What's your version of, we're going to choose a new apostle, whether Jesus said to do it or not, because I know this is what he would want. What's your version of filling that gap? Just a baby step, maybe, but a step forward. 
to bring some new life into an old dead relationship, to face something in our own past that we'd rather not do. Maybe just something as basic as I'm going to force a smile even though in the depths of my heart that's the last thing I feel like sharing with the world. There's a reason why we celebrate the Feast of the Ascension. Yes, a glorious moment in the life of the early church, but really that's not worth anything unless we make it be a glorious moment in the life of this present church. And glorious in the Christian sense doesn't always mean bouncing off the walls with giddy happiness, but it does mean an act in confidence and hope.